Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have uh, Maria Jose Soler. She's calling in from uh, Spain, so it's pretty late for her, and I appreciate her coming. Uh, she's in, in the nephrology department at the Val de Hebron Hospital um, in the nephrology research group. Um, I guess the full name is the Val de Hebron Institute de Recerca, BHIR. Uh, it's part of the Barcelona Hospital campus. So, Maria Jose, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you for the invitation, for inviting me. Yeah. Tell me about your research. What are you working on? I'm working diabetic kidney disease in diabetic nephropathy. Actually, I don't know if you know, but diabetic kidney disease is the first cause of end-stage renal disease. So the first cause of our patients ended in dialysis is for diabetes. So I work in the mechanism for the diabetic kidney disease progression, mainly in the renin angiotensin system pathway. So I, I don't know if you know an enzyme named angiotensin converting enzyme 2. This enzyme was discovered in 2000, and I've been studying for years in this enzyme. This enzyme is the one that cleaves angiotensin 2 to angiotensin 1.7. And it's interesting now, and this enzyme now has been famous. I don't know if you, if you yeah, know because this. Because of the this. coronavirus, yeah. That's what it yes, yes. supposedly, yeah. Because it's the receptor of the coronavirus in the lungs, in the kidney, in all in the type of cells that they express ACE2. So, what's the role of the ACE2 receptor normally? Uh, normally, it's not a receptor. It's, it's more an enzyme. It's an enzyme that catalyzes, uh, for example, peptides angiotensin two to angiotensin one seven, mainly mainly this peptide, and also catalyzes angiotensin. 1 to angiotensin 1-9. Actually, uh, we have another enzyme that was is angiotensin enzyme, name it 1, the first that was discovered years and years ago. And people used to say that AC2 is the good boy, whereas, whereas ACE is the bad uh, boy. So if you have... Mm, it is expected that if you have more AC in the organism, it will be worse because you will have more angiotensin 2. That is the peptide with vasoconstrictor, proliferative effect, inflammation. is a peptide that is needed in the organism but not in excess. And AC2 is the one that is in charge of the great angiotensin 2 to angiotensin 1.7. So... A lot of people has been working in half uh, recombinant uh, from AC2 for, for example, diabetic kidney disease, no? to try to treat patients with diabetic injury with AC2. So again, um, so it's an enzyme. Is it located on the membrane of different cell types or where is it located? It's located in the membrane in different cell types. So I was in, I was working at the, my first research started years ago in 2000, 
2005 at Northwestern University in Chicago with Dr. Badge, that he's the one that has been uh, for years the more the, I, I could say the people that know more about AC2 in, in the kidney. And in the kidney, for example, AC2 is in the proximal tubular cells. And this also in the podocytes, that, that the podocytes is one of the cells of the glomeruli, and this also in the podocytes. And it's interesting because this enzyme, um, we discovered that the, the, the organ that has more AC2 activity or more AC2 is the kidney. You can have AC2 in lungs, in heart, and in other organs, but the, the, the one that has the more this enzyme is the kidney, more expression and more activity of this enzyme. So the enzyme converts um, one form of ACE to another, but physiologically, what does that mean? What does it do in the body? In the body, it's, it, it seems to be positive because if you transform, if you degrade noisy to angiotensin 2, to angiotensin 1-7, the function of angiotensin 1-7 is contrary to angiotensin 2. So you have vasodilatory effects, anti-inflammatory effects, antifibrotic effects. So it seems to be positive. For example, one of our preliminary studies was to inhibit ACT2. When they have uh, different compounds that can inhibit AC2. And we use these compounds in, in mice, in diabetic mice. And we found that these diabetic mice that we inhibit AC2 have more, much more lesions. Um, they have much proteinuria and more fibrosis that the mice that we, we did, did not inhibit AC2. So it seems to have a protective effect, effect in the kidney, for example. So if someone's sick with uh, coronavirus, is it deactivating a lot of ACE2 enzymes and that, that, so that leads to inflammation? Is that one of the possible effects? I, I think that someone with coronavirus, and th there is some people studying on that, uh, you should increase AC2, maybe give some external AC2. It's weird. Well, why? Because, because the virus is taking up, it's stopping that enzyme from working. Is that why? Maybe, maybe. Or, or it would be, this will be, I, I don't know clearly the mechanism, but if you have more external AC2, I think that it, it will be protected. How? I don't know, yeah. because it's the enzyme. I understand your question, right? because it's the enzyme, but I think that increased AC2 will be positive in this disease. I've and heard we, when people have uh, a heart attack that uh, the remaining tissue will you know, upregulate ACE2 and it'll be expressed tremendously. Maybe yeah. it's a way to, to save someone's uh, remaining heart. I don't know. Yes, that's right. We, we perform a work with, uh, I don't know if you read that, with Hospital Clinic in Barcelona with cardiologists, and we measure uh, AC2 activity. But I think that this, this is a protective mechanism. The, I think that the body uh, understands or has the impression that you have too much angiotensin 2 when you have a heart attack. So AC2 is needed, and this form of AC2 is to try to, to degrade the angiotensin 2. I have this feeling, but you know, AC2 is, is a young enzyme. We, this year is the 20th uh, anniversary of the enzyme. 
And we don't know all. I don't know if we have different forms, a uh, truncated form that is in the, in the circulation and a different form that is within the kidney, you know? We are not sure of all of that. Do you know why um, people say, again, I've heard many articles seem to say that ACE2 is, is a receptor and not an enzyme, and that's how the coronavirus enters human cells. Um, how could it be considered a receptor instead of an enzyme? Do you have any speculation on why or how that could happen? Actually, I, I think that it's helped for a, for, um, for a certain protease, and, and it could be another form of AC2 linked to a certain protease that is helping to introduce, introduce the coronavirus. But we need to study much more about that, you know? We okay. are in an yeah. early phase, and for me, coronavirus is, uh, is new. Uh, I think that we need to know how is AC2 in lungs with people from coronavirus. We have some stainings, but not definitive results. How is this AC2 in, in the blood of people from coronavirus? It's different. We do not know. We need, we need to study all of that. So your particular research is what working with these enzymes to understand how kidney disease occurs in diabetes, or what is it? And this enzyme is upregulated in kidney disease in the is 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 upregulated in the proximal tubuli of kidney disease and in the circulation of people with kidney disease, but is then regulated in the glomeruli. So it's, it's a difficult enzyme, and the problem I think that is one is altered. What I think that AC two and AC the two enzymes needs a balance. When this balance is modified, so you have the lesion, no? The, and this has been our study for years. And for example, we have discovered that, that um, one of the vitamin D agonists were capable of increasing AC, AC2. And I think that increasing AC2 might be a positive mechanism effect. So we treat diabetic rats with paricalcitol, that is a vitamin D agonist. And we discovered that with this treatment, AC2 with, was increased, you know? So we have been studying the modifications of AC2 within the diabetic kidney, within people with, uh, with diabetic kidney disease. And if some, some treatments were capable to modify it. Well, um, just to go to a basic level, how does kidney disease start? Uh, what does it look like? What happens to cause kidney disease early on in someone with diabetes? Uh, we know that the first phase of diabetic kidney disease is the glomerular hyperfiltration. And recently, uh, SGLT2, we are also studying SGLT2. I don't know if you know this kind of drugs, uh, sodium glucose co inhibitors, co-transporters. And recently, this, this type of inhibitors, SGLT2, have demonstrated to be very good for the treatment of diabetic kidney disease. And I think is that is, this is because they are acting at the first stage of diabetic kidney disease. When you have hyperglycemia, you have a secondary hyperfiltration. And diabetic kidney disease starts by hyperfiltration. I don't know if this was... Oh, okay. So the body is forced to filter out more sugar 
Yes. Act constantly than it, than it normally would. And that puts strain on the very fine, small this filtering too- elements of the kidney, right? Yes, but actually, I think that the problem is that when you, you are urinating sugar, eh? you are urinating sugar, uh, you, you, your body increases the expression of the SGLT2 uh, co-transporter, and this, this co-transporter is taking into the, from the tubuli to the lumen, is taking glucose and sodium. This makes that macula densa that is later on sense that you have few sodium and, and alerts as when you are dehydrated and it makes hyperfiltrating. This is one of the mechanisms where diabetes starts. I am sure that we have more mechanisms. This is not the only one, but I think that this is the first one. For these reasons, in, in 2016, SGLT2 inhibitors uh, demonstrated that were really, really good for the treatment of patients with diabetic kidney disease. And this year, uh, this year, and, and very important study, study with canaglyphosine demonstrated that this really good in patients with advanced kidney disease. Yeah, I've heard about these uh, new inhibitory drugs. Um, yes. Just, just to continue, so, so the body will, you know, you'll excrete sugar in your urine. Um, but the body will, you'll also excrete a lot of sodium. So your body thinks you're dehydrated. And then what is, what is hyperfiltration? Less, less what, what does that mean? Less what sodium. Less, less, oh, sodium. Okay. less sodium. Oh, it, not, oh it'll, yeah. conserve, it'll conserve sodium because it thinks you're dehydrated. Yes, yes. It, it will oh, conserve okay. sodium. You have uh, low sodium level, levels. That is the typical when you have acute kidney injury because you are, have dehydration. You don't have water access or you have diarrhea or this kind of disease. And, and the body, uh, the mechanism uh, uh, that this performance is increasing hyperfiltra- hyperfiltration. This is a mechanism of defense of the organism to not lose more water. And diabetes start on that way. I don't, it's difficult to understand. And, the, and this makes to activate the renin-angiotensin system. For this, I think that SGLT2 and the renin-angiotensin system is linked. And they have been studies in that topic also. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. All right, I'm trying to get more of a picture. So um, what in particular are you trying to figure out? Uh, You're hoping to upregulate or increase ACE2, and you think that will have a, uh, it will reduce the inflammation? I mean, what, what do you think the effects will be if it's successful? Has it been published? Dr. Valle published in Kidney International a paper, a paper, a couple of papers demonstrating that a regulation of AC2, for example, if you have an, an animal model of transgenic uh, hyperexpression of AC2 in the podocyte, you have, when it, this mouse turns to be diabetic, you have less lesion. You have less podocyte loss, so, so it's expected to have less lesion, less inflammation, less fibrotic effects. The problem is that, that until now, the recombinant that people have for AC2, the, the mechanism for AC2 amplification, do not last long time in the organism. And a part of AC2, I think that they are 
another mechanism. So I'm trying to discover new mechanisms, not that one linked to SGLT2 and DAISY2 to try to discover novel, novel therapies that could avoid the diabetic kidney disease progression. Because I don't know if you know, but, but uh, classically, the renin-angiotensis system blockade, but from years ago, ago, studies from Lewis Brenner demonstrated that the blockade of the renin-angiotensin system uh, protects against diabetic kidney disease. But uh, this is not enough. People keeps going through dialysis. No, people the diabetic kidney disease keeps progressing. So I think that SGLT2 will be one therapy. I don't know if finally we will have some kind of AC2 agonist that could have a positive effect. But I'm sure that in a future, a next future, we will have new therapies, a new new mechanism, maybe. We will not act only in one system. We will block two or three to avoid the disease progress. Yeah, what what does the disease progress look like in, from the kidneys' point of view? What happens first, and then you know what happens later on with end stage uh, renal disease? Okay, I can explain you. First, we have hyperfiltration. After that, there is an increase in urinary albumin excretion. And in that part, it, it starts to be worse because this is linked with more cardiovascular risk, cardiovascular disease, myocardial. If you have increased uh, albuminuria, you are at risk for a heart attack, for a stroke. Yeah? This patient increased the risk of cardiovascular event outcome. And after that, uh, uh, creatinine incre- uh, starts to rise. This is a, a period of 10, 15 years ago. It's not fast. Eh? It's, it's coming, it's a, a, slow, a, a slow killer, you know, a slow killer. And at the end, you finish with end stage, stage renal disease and dialysis. And, you know, uh, dialysis uh, worsens clearly your quality of life. If you are a patient and you need peritoneal dialysis or you need hemodialysis, you can have home dialysis or hospital or center dialysis, but your quality of life is worse. Uh, Your prognosis is worse. And the other option that you have is kidney transplantation, but you need to take immunosuppressive therapies. So this is the worst scope, the end stage, uh, the chronic kidney disease stage five, and, and you, I think that you have to avoid this because it's, it's expensive and the quality of life of the, of the patient is clearly worse than previous, no? not only having a little of chronic kidney disease. Yeah, I have a friend that's on dialysis and they have to go like three times a week and sit there for hours. And it's, if it's not done right, they get very tired and it's very difficult, you know. You need an, actor, an access for doing the dialysis. Sometimes this access didn't work or, you know, it's, it's tough. And I think that for people, it's, it's better not to be in dialysis. For example, in Spain, it's inter- interesting that one of each four of the patients that started dialysis have diabetes. Is high. I think that this is a high ratio. And in, in America, I think that is worse because you have much more diabetes than in Spain, for sure. Oh, so you said in Spain, 25% of the dialysis patients have diabetes as well? Yes, 20, in between 20 and 25. It depends on the year, between 20 and 25%. Okay. So stop this, no? avoid 
the end-stage end renal disease. For example, SGLT2 now are recommended early on in diabetic patients. If they tolerate that, we, we are now giving double therapy, um, renin angiotensin system blockade and SGLT2 inhibitors. Nephrologists are treating with that. And if we have a new drug and we know that this drug delay the progression, we will treat with them with that because... As you told me uh, regarding your friend going to dialysis three times a week, after, when you finish dialysis, it's like you have done a kind of marathon or running, you know, you are really tired, you need to recover two, three hours. Well, of course, your friend explained you, you this, this problem. It eats up your whole day. And if you have to take off a lot of water, you know, sometimes you feel sick and it's, uh, it's very difficult every time you have to go. You cannot, and if your kidney is not working, you cannot drink not only water, water, coffee. You can only drink half a liter and the, and the quantity that you are urinating. So it's, it's, it's tough for the people, I think. And you have to, you need a special diet with low, pot, low potassium if you, in your diet because uh, normally the potassium is eliminated by the urine. urine. And, and if you cannot, if you are on dialysis program, you cannot eliminate the potassium. So you need an special diet that I, I, when I, uh, when I explain to my patients the diet, I feel horrible, you know, you have to boil two times, take the water off, you cannot eat um, tomatoes, chocolate, uh, it's, it's almonds, it's, it's difficult really difficult, no? Not only the dialysis, the dialysis, the diet, the no what, not water stuff. If you want to want to go to visit a country, no? now we are in coronavirus and it's not time for visiting, but we are hoping that in, in one year, no, maybe in one year and a half, we will have the vaccine, I hope so. And our life will mod modify again. So if you are on dialysis program and you have to go to visit to your family, to another country, you know, you need to contact to another dialysis center, no, for doing your dialysis program. So it's difficult, no? I think that it's good to try to have some therapies to stop this progression for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, very good. Uh, Mario Jose, what's the best way for people to find out more about your work? Um, I think that they can read my papers, and if they have some doubt, they can they can connect uh, myself, or they can look at the university. Actually, if we we publish a lot of scientific papers, but we do not do a lot of um, I don't know how news, you know, kind of news for the news. We don't. We do not have this. Uh, we do not explain a lot our research. But I think that is good that people know what we are doing. And another thing that I would like to to explain to you is that normally people think that the I'm a medical doctor and my background is to visit patients. I'm, I'm nephrologist, no. And a lot of, of people think that the nephrologist involved in, in research in basic science, because I've been working with podocyte, tubular cells, we are not interested in patients. And this, this is not true because actually I love to visit patients. And a, a lot of my ideas sometimes come, my research ideas come out from visiting patients. You know, sometimes I'm visiting a patient and I say, oh, 
this is really weird. Maybe we should check how many patients have this or what can we do for, the, for them? You know, I think that the combination of medical doctor and researcher is good. Yeah, definitely, because then you can see exactly what happens with people in clinic, which a researcher, you know, won't see. So it's very powerful to do that. That's excellent. Yes, yes, and I, I, I love it. And another problem that we have with chronic kidney disease and nephrologists is that people do not know our specialty. I think that the best specialty in the world is nephrology, for sure. But is is you know uh, people do not know what is what we are doing. No, sometimes they think that I'm surgeon, sur- that I, I used to do surgery. No, nephrologists used to. I can explain if you want. We we used to do. Yeah. We used to take care of patients with acute kidney injury. Acute kidney injury is good because it used to be reversible, so we treat the patients and they can recover. Sometimes they, they have what we name it an scar, no? In in Italy, there is a good a good researcher, a really good researcher that discovered that when you have an acute kidney injury, after that, we, you have a lesion and never will be the same. But at least it could be recovered. We treat patients with chronic kidney disease. We manage the patients in peritoneal dialysis, the patients in home dialysis, that now home hemodialysis has become more important after the coronavirus because you can do dialysis at home and you do not need transportation. We follow in Spain we take care of the transplant in the kidney transplantation program that I know that this is not the case in America, but here is the case. And we follow the immunosuppressive therapy of these patients. So, so I think that nephrology is a, a really good specialty and you, you can do, we, we also have a kind of, we place, we place center, central venous catheters in the patients. It's, it's performed by, by us. We also uh, learn how to do echography. I can diagnose an acute kidney. I can diag- diagnose if, if uh, we, you are an obstructive problem. So I think that is a really com- complete specialty. We manage some patients like uh, internal medicine. We can take care of our patients with pneumonias, with systemic disease, with lupus nephritis. So I think that is a really complete speciality that I'm, I'm happy for that. You know, I, I enjoy my life when I'm working. This is good. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you're, you're passionate about helping people. So, well, very good. Maria Jose, thank you for coming on the podcast. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.